It's January 23rd. This is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam, and it's my joy to be reading through the scriptures today. I don't know about you, but I look forward to some quiet moments, some time apart from all the noise and competing time demands of the day, to focus my mind on things that are real and eternal. It's also good to remember who God is and how faithful He is to fulfill all that He's promised. That's why it's helpful to read God's Word every day. When we read God's story, we realize there's a place for us in this story. He's shown us His great love in sending His Son, the greater and truer Isaac, and as we are learning, the greater and truer Joseph. We're going to be reading from the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis today, and also we're going to be reading again from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 15, verse 10, Jesus says, Hear and understand. This is what he commands his disciples to do. Our prayer should be, as we read God's word, let me hear and help me to understand. So let's begin reading Genesis chapter 46, beginning with verse 1. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob their father, their little ones, and their wives in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came to Egypt, Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, all his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. Now these are the names of the descendants of Israel who came into Egypt, Jacob and his sons, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and the sons of Reuben, Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Sohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman, the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the sons of Judah, Er, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah, but Er and Onan died in the land of Canaan, and the sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul, the sons of Issachar, Tola, Puva, Yob, and Shimron, the sons of Zebulun, Sered, Elon, and Jaleel. These are the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob in Padan Aram, together with his daughter Dinah, although his sons and his daughters numbered thirty-three. The sons of Gad, Ziphion, Haggai, Shuni, Esbon, Eri, Arodi, and Areli. The sons of Asher, Imnah, Ishva, Ishvi, Bariah, with Sirah their sister, and the sons of Bariah, Heber, and Malchiel. These are the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to Leah his daughter, and these she bore to Jacob, sixteen persons. 
the sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, Joseph and Benjamin. And to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On, bore to him. And the sons of Benjamin, Bela, Becher, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, Mupim, Hupim, and Ard. These are the sons of Rachel, who were born to Jacob, fourteen persons in all. The son of Dan, Hushim. The sons of Naphtali, Jaziel, Guni, Jazer, and Shilem. These are the sons of Villa, whom Laban gave to Rachel his daughter, and these she bore to Jacob, seven persons in all. All the persons belonging to Jacob who came into Egypt, who were his own descendants, not including Jacob's sons' wives, were sixty-six persons in all. And the sons of Joseph, who were born to him in Egypt, were two. All the persons of the house of Jacob, who came into Egypt, were seventy. He had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph, to show the way before him in Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen. Then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel his father in Goshen. He presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers in my father's household, who were in the land of Canaan, have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. When Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? You shall say, Your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers, with their flocks and herds, and all that they possess, have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought in Jacob his father, and stood him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning are a hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the day of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his fathers, his brothers, and all his father's household with food, 
according to the number of their dependents. Now there was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone. And Joseph answered, Give your livestock, and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock, if your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the herds, and the donkeys. He supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. And when that year was ended, they came to him the following year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent. The herds of livestock are my Lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, and we with our land will be servants to Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For all the Egyptians sold their fields, because the famine was severe on them. The land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he made servants of them, from one end of Egypt to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And at the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four fifths shall be your own, as a seed for the field, and as food for yourselves and your households, and as food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. May it please, my Lord, we will be servants to Pharaoh. So Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth. The land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh's. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it, and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were a hundred and forty-seven years. And when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. He answered, I will do as you have said. And he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. Then Israel bowed himself upon the head of his bed. So in this portion we see how Jacob and his sons are settling in Egypt. And uh, this develops the story that will eventually lead to the book of Exodus. In Genesis 46, 2, God speaks to Jacob in visions of the night and calls him to attention with a double salutation, Jacob, Jacob. This is what the angel of the Lord did when he called out to Jacob's grandfather, saying, Abraham, Abraham, in Genesis 22:11, The Lord would do the same to Moses when he calls him from the burning bush, Moses, Moses, in Exodus 3, 4. He would do the same with Samuel the prophet, calling Samuel, Samuel, 
In 1 Samuel 3.10, Jesus underscored the importance of his statements by using the double salutation also, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, in Matthew 23.37, Martha, Martha, in Luke 10, verse 41, Simon, Simon, in Luke 22.31, and Saul, Saul, in Acts 9, verse 4. The double salutation signals that God has something very important to say. It also marks a turning point in the lives of those whom he calls. God is going to do the work of making the sons of Jacob into a great nation. In Genesis 46, verse 3, he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I also surely will bring you up again and Joseph will close your eyes. In verse 27, he says, All the persons of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were seventy. It's an interesting observation to see that Jacob had twelve sons, and then his tribe increased to a household of seventy when they started their life in Egypt. In Genesis 46:27, After four hundred years, they became a great nation. Similarly, Jesus chose twelve disciples in Matthew 10, verses 1 and 2, and Mark 3, verse 14, and Luke chapter 6, verse 13, and John chapter 6, verse 67. He then sent out the 70, in Luke 10, verse 1. After his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, he gives the Holy Spirit to reproduce his life through the communication of the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. Those who believe his word become a holy nation. In 1 Peter 2, 9. Jacob senses his life has come to a completion when he sees Joseph face to face, seeing that he still is alive. In verse 30, Then Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, that you are still alive. He has a sense of satisfaction, much like Simeon when he beholds the Christ child in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. What a blessing it was for Israel to know that his son Joseph was alive. His joy is a foreshadowing of the joyful song of believers who discover the risen Christ. Life is worth living just because he lives. The sons of Jacob are prompted to answer Pharaoh's question about their livelihood by telling him that they tended livestock. This was a profession that was looked down upon by the people of Egypt in Genesis 46 verse 34, but one that is highly esteemed in God's economy. Shepherds can relate to our covenant-keeping God. In Psalm 77.20, You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 80, verse 1, O give ear, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned above the cherubim, shine forth. Psalm 95, verse 7, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Psalm 100, verse 3, Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We highly value the Good Shepherd, Jesus, 
in John chapter 10, who rescues all of us who, like sheep, have gone astray, in Isaiah 53, verse 6. Joseph administrated the distribution of food in the remaining years of famine and saved his people from starvation. Jacob describes his 130 years as the years of my pilgrimage, in Genesis 47, 9. He lived 17 more years after arriving in Egypt and died at the age of 147. He lived to see his family prosper in the land of Goshen. The family did so well in Egypt, you could understand why they would want to live there forever. Jacob would not see the hard bondage that future generations of Israelites would experience in slavery. His final request, however, was that he not be buried in Egypt, but in the promised land with his father Isaac and grandfather Abraham. It was not comfort or sentiment that caused Jacob to request to be buried in Canaan, but the fact that he had the promised land in his heart. He knew that his people's future would not be in Egypt, no matter how promising the situation looked at the moment or in the foreseeable future. He was a man of faith whose future was bound up with the promises of God. What a great example this is for us. Is your heart bound to the temporal comforts of this world or to the eternal treasure promised in heaven? And now we'll be reading from the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, Matthew 15, beginning with verse 1. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him, and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, 
Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So what is happening here? Jesus rebukes the Pharisees for their hypocrisy when they upbraid him for breaking the traditions of the elders by not observing their rules about hand-washing. The Pharisees, out of their religious zeal, added to the law many additional rules and stipulations which obscured and eclipsed the meaning of the law. Jesus rebukes them for making void the word of God for the sake of upholding their traditions. He gives the example of how they invented practices that violated the commands of God, such as adding a law that encourages people to neglect providing for their parents in old age by giving offerings to the religious institution instead, thereby nullifying the command, Honor your father and mother. Jesus reminds his disciples that the law of God reveals and applies to the condition of our hearts. It was not meant to be a means of measuring one's own goodness by external conformity to religious rules. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Jesus said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slanders, in Matthew 15:19, Jesus came to give us needed heart surgery. He came to grant repentance and faith. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, we read, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. How is it with your heart? Those false teachers who fail to see their need for salvation and those religious systems will one day be rooted up in Matthew 15:14. G. Campbell Morgan writes, quote, Here is the test of all human teaching, however well-intentioned. If it be not based and rooted in the word of God, or if it departs in any degree from the true intention of that word, it is without pity to be rooted up. By this test, we need ever to try our traditions, customs, habits, rules, and regulations. End quote. Now reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 19. The heading for this psalm is, The Law of the Lord is Perfect. It's addressed to the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping of them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. This psalm wonderfully pictures the greatness of our God as both our rock and our Redeemer. He is the mighty God, the maker of the heavens and earth, but He is also the gracious God who redeems us through the power of His Word. The knowledge of God's glory is declared through the wonders of the universe. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. The heavens declare the glory of God. No matter what your native language may be, the creation indisputably speaks of God's existence. In Psalm 19, verses 1 to 6, and in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. The knowledge of God's glory comes also through the Word. In verses 7 through 11. Think of what God graciously does as our Redeemer, through the agency of the Scriptures, His Holy Word. He revives the soul, makes wise the simple, rejoices the heart, enlightens the eyes, and gives us an unfailing revelation of God's greatness. The Word of God warns us and transforms us. His Word is a searchlight that exposes hidden faults, presumptuous sins, and vain speech. The law convicts us of our need for a Savior and points to God's perfect provision for a full salvation through the prophesied Lamb of God. It is no wonder that the psalmist says that God's word is to be desired more than gold. In Psalm 19.10 And now for our daily proverb. We're reading from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 14 through 19. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness, they do not know over what they stumble. So as we reflect upon that passage, we need to ask ourselves, what road will we travel today? Both roads have promise. One leads to a greater understanding, illumination, peace, and salvation. The other one leads to greater darkness, foolishness, stumbling, and destruction. So the question is, whose promise are you believing? And what promise are you following Let's pray. O oh Lord, you have spoken of your infinite power and creativity 
through the work of your hands. The created universe declares your glory. You have spoken of your mercy and grace through your merciful condescension to take on a body such as ours, to salvage rebels like ourselves. You, who have spoken in the past through the prophets, have spoken fully and finally in the person of your Son, who loved us and gave himself for us on the cross. Thank you for revealing the heart of the law. We rejoice that you are not just our rock, but our Redeemer. We rejoice that you, the lawgiver, have given us your Spirit to be the lawkeeper in our hearts. Thank you for fulfilling your promise, reviving our souls, and enlightening the eyes of our heart's understanding. Every day with you is sweeter than the day before. Keep us abiding in you. You shine your light more fully on our pathway as we trust you. We anticipate that day when your light will shine on us to the full, that day when we see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a blessing to spend time together in God's Word today, and I hope that this podcast continues to be an encouragement to you, helping you to stay at it, reading the Bible with daily doses of eternal truths. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 12, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves toward the goal of true maturity. That's the J.B. Phillips paraphrase of the New Testament, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't forget to subscribe to this one-year Bible tour guide podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as it will help you to be prompted whenever a new episode is ready. And you can always get a written copy by email by subscribing at our own website, newlife.org. My name is David McAdam, and you can contact me by email writing podcast at newlife.org. My email address is podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom.